Broadcasting coast to coast. Sports talk the way it was meant to be. This is Fazy's Take. Now, here's your host, Jake Fazy. What's going on, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome back to another episode of the Fazy's Take podcast. Happy Friday. Hope you all are doing well. I know I certainly am. It is May 29th. We are almost to June. Uh, 2020 is going by slow and it's going by terribly. So we're going to hope these months start to speed up here. We can get to 2021 and drop all these 2020 bad news blues. Uh, we got a great show for you today. Uh, going to go through Phasey's Fast Facts as usual. Then we're going to talk about the NHL's return to play protocol and what that entails. We're going to get into some UFC drama surrounding Henry Ceuto. Then we're going to talk about baseball's big strikeout, handling the pandemic, and we're going to finish off talking about the match. Now, without further ado, let's get right into the show. It's the start of another episode of the Phasey's Take podcast, so you know what that means. It's time for Phasey's Fast Facts. New York Governor Andrew Como announced that all professional sports teams in the state can begin training camps while following the appropriate health protocols. This is important because New York was the epicenter of the virus in the United States, showing that progress is being made. New Jersey immediately followed suit on Tuesday. The first ever Peloton All-Star Ride will take place tomorrow at 11 a.m. Central Standard Time. We will see golfers, Olympians, and NCAA champions battle it out on a bike ride for the ages. Joe Flacco agreed to a contract with the Jets last week but said he won't be ready for the regular season opener after off-season neck surgery. Flacco has now been overtaken by a rookie on both of the teams that he has belonged to, so it'll be interesting to see what kind of a role he serves as a Jet. Mark Cuban has proposed a plan for the return of the NBA season. The plan sees the top 10 teams from each conference qualifying for the postseason and a total of four play-in matchups to determine the final bracket. Damian Lillard announced that he will not return if the Blazers are not given a legitimate chance at the playoffs. If the NBA decides to adopt Mark Cuban's proposal, the Blazers will would land one of those spots. The 2020 ESPYs are still set to take place. They will be hosted virtually on June 21st, hosted by Sue Bird, Russell Wilson, and Megan Rapino. The NBA is reportedly targeting July 22nd as a restart date. That is over a month past when the NBA Finals would have normally been completed had the virus not paused the season. Jadavion Clowney turned down a big offer from the Cleveland Browns. The numbers were not specified, but Adam Schefter said that this is one of the best offers that he has received so far. The problem just seemed to be his lack of interest with Cleveland. 19-year NBA veteran Jason Terry accepted an assistant coaching job at his alma mater, Arizona. Terry will be leaving behind his assistant GM job with the G League Texas Legends. The Los Angeles Dodgers informed their full-time employees that they will not impose furloughs or layoffs due to the pandemic. However, they will still have a system of tiered pay cuts beginning June 1st. The long-debated NFL pass interference review rule is now dead. A quote from ESPN said that the rule failed so miserably in the words of league executive vice president Troy Vincent that it won't so much as appear on the agenda for an owner's conference call Thursday to vote on rule proposals. Boston Mayor Marty Walsh announced that the Boston Marathon has officially been canceled. The iconic event scheduled for April had already been postponed back to September 14th. Imperfect, the story of late MLB pitcher Roy Halladay airs on ESPN tonight at 6 p.m. Central Standard Time. It tells the story of his astonishing career and unfortunate struggles with addiction. The state of Texas made COVID history yesterday. Governor Greg Abbott announced that not only will sports resume in June, but outdoor stadiums will be allowed to host fans up to 25% of their capacity. And finally, some good news for gamers as NFL owners approve a five-year extension with EA Sports for the league's Madden video 
game license. So despite rumors, there will be no NFL 2K21. Those are Fazy's Fast Facts. The NHL return to play protocol is somewhat set and it will come in four phases. Phase one is what we're in right now, which is the preparation phase. In this phase, the executive board of the NHLPA approved a 24-team return to play format for the restart of the season, expanding the playoffs from 16 to 24 teams. What this expansion does is it covers for the teams that were on the bubble of making the playoffs whenever the season pause occurred, so it doesn't screw them out of their chance to make a comeback and secure a playoff spot. Under this plan, the top four seeds in each conference whenever the season was paused on March 12th would receive buys through a round of best of five play-in series featuring seeds five through 12. Those play-in series would determine which teams advance to a traditional 16-team Stanley Cup playoff bracket, which would then go back to the traditional seven-game series as usual. I'm both happy and also a little bit sad about this news. I'm happy because we now have a direction for where the season is going, meaning that the odds of it actually happening are definitely more likely. Gary Bettman is not at all planning for a cancellation or preparing for a cancellation at this point. It is all eyes on the season resuming and how that's going to happen. So that's good news. I'm a little bit sad because I was really pulling for that 31 team March Madness style bracket that PK Subban suggested back in April. I thought that would have been really cool. But when I thought about it a little more, I realized that my hometown blues would probably not fare very well in that style of bracket because we tend to play like dog crap one night and then really good the next. So the whole five and seven game series thing is definitely better suited to our tendencies. But overall, I'm just very happy that we now have a direction that we're going in for how the season's going to come back. Now getting into phase two, this could start as early as mid-June, and this is the practice phase. This would consist of a bunch of small group workouts at team facilities. The reason that this could be tough is because players would then have to be in their club cities, and seeing as how most players in the NHL are international, travel restrictions may hinder our progress on getting to that phase. I know travel from Canada to US, though it is very close, is very difficult right now. So I don't even, I can't imagine the situation that we're dealing with with European travel. So as long as that stays how it is right now, phase two is not looking all that promising to happen very soon. But if that starts to clear up, phase two could begin and that would be a big step. Moving to phase three, which is the training camp phase. In this phase, teams can finally reunite for a full team camp and eventually move into phase four, which is the official return to play. So the NHL has a plan laid out. We have a direction that we want to move in. And we are ready to go. It's all about just waiting for the right time to do it. So definitely some good news and a big step for hockey fans. You remember that guy that I talked about about two weeks ago, Henry Ceuto? You know, the guy that won the fight and then immediately retired after it was over? Well, there is a little bit of drama surrounding his retirement. After his retirement, Ceuto was asked what fight, if any, would bring him back to the UFC. To this, he answered, it would be fighting Alexander Volkanovsky at 145. On Sunday, Volkanovsky then responded on Twitter, basically accepting his challenge and saying that he wanted a fight. On Monday, Ceuto tweets out, thanking the UFC and saying Triple C is out. So just basically cementing that he is done. So... 
Was Saito just blowing smoke whenever he said that he was going to fight Volkanovski, thinking that he would decline the fight, and then running when he actually accepted it? There's certainly some speculation, not just from other fighters, but even from Saito's own team, that he's not actually retiring and that he will come back. The UFC declared uh, on Monday, I believe, that Saito is no longer the Bantamweight champion because of his retirement, so maybe that will encourage him to come back a little bit sooner and try to regain that title. Baseball is currently in a bad spot, I will just say that. Uh, almost every team in the MLB has furloughed a large majority of their staff or delivered some type of big pay cut. I would like to note that my hometown Cardinals are one of the only teams that have not done either of those things. So big props to us. But one of the worst situations out of all of them is the Oakland A's. The other day they informed their minor leaguers that they would not continue to pay them $400 a week at the end of the month, meaning that they're making zero money. But to kind of put that into perspective, there's about 200 players in a minor league system. So paying each one of those players $400 a week for the months of June, July, and August, which is about how many more months we're expecting until baseball actually comes back, maybe even less, that's $5,200 a player. That means paying each and every one of those 200 players would only cost them a little over $1 million. A's owner John Fisher is currently worth an estimated $2 billion. So, definitely some questions of ethics going on uh, over there in the A's program, but that's pretty much the same with everyone else. Just the A's is a little bit worse than most of the other situations that we're looking at. In addition to all of that individual team stuff, the MLB just dropped an economic proposal to the players, and under this proposal, a player making $35 million would only make 7.8. And for all those young players that are only making somewhere between the $500,000 and $1 million range, their salaries would drop from somewhere between $200,000 to $400,000. Now I know what you're all thinking. Oh man, boo-hoo, they only get to make $7 million instead of $35 million. So sad. Well, put that into perspective. That's a 78% pay cut. The average American brings home $63,179 a year. A cut of this size would bring them down to about $13,900. That's huge. That's the difference between comfortable spending and conservative spending. So before you go out and say that all oh, these players are spoiled and making $7.8 million is, I mean, I could live fine off of $7.8 million, whatever. Put it into your own shoes if you got a pay cut of that size. I mean, these guys earned their money. They're going to earn their money. They're going to be playing baseball. It's not like they're just going to be sitting at home. The season's going to happen. They're going to be playing, and they're going to be earning all the money that they negotiated for in their contract, but it would get cut down. Now, this is all just a proposal. And obviously, the players were not happy. They reported that they felt disrespected by the proposal, and I don't blame them. Players want to play 100-plus games, they want their full salaries, and they want to look at specific documents to better understand the MLB's finances. I think Rob Manfred is currently on the hot seat, that's for sure. And to be totally honest with you, I would not be surprised if he is no longer the commissioner of the MLB for much longer. I mean, he basically swept an entire cheating scandal under the rug, a scandal that produced a World Series championship, 
Now he's insanely lowballing the MLBPA, trying to cut some players' salaries by 78%. Well, I'll tell you what, Mr. Manfred, the players see it, and they're upset. And that look into the finances might tell them how much cash Manfred and the corporate fat cats over there at the MLB are keeping for themselves and hiding from the players who are actually generating all of that money. No players, no baseball. So we're getting more and more news on this every day, so I am sure I will have an update for you guys next week. Last Sunday, we witnessed the match. Woods and Manning versus Mickelson and Brady. What a show that was. I don't know what I expected from it, but it definitely was not what I got. From Brady's big holeout for Birdie to all the commentary back and forth between the players and the broadcasters, this was everything that I could have asked for and more. And clearly, I was not alone. Sunday's match was the most watched golf telecast in cable television history, raking in around 6 million viewers. There was a total of $20 million raised for COVID relief. Tiger Woods roasted the crap out of Tom Brady's tee shot on the fourth hole, and it was hilarious. We got to see Phil Mickelson demonstrate how to hit a bomb over some 75-foot trees and stick it right on the green. Tom Brady shredded his pants on live television, and Peyton Manning, well, Peyton Manning has an award-winning beer gut. Clearly, he's been throwing back plenty of brews with Brad Paisley on the set of those nationwide commercials. But that's really it. I mean, I could talk all day about the funny moments from the match, but I mean, it was five hours long, so I'd be going forever. Uh, Awesome event, great cause, and I cannot wait to see Tiger and Phil back competing on the real stage very soon. Anyways, that's all I got for you guys. I appreciate you coming by and listening to the show. Follow me on Twitter at Fazies Take. Follow me on Instagram and like me on Facebook at Fazies Take Podcast to see what I'm up to, especially on Twitter. I'm liking a lot of stuff on Twitter so you can see a lot of the news as it's coming in and you don't have to wait until Friday whenever I talk about it. So thank you guys for listening. 15 episodes in the books. Hope you come back next week for episode 16. This has been the Fazies Take Podcast. <laughs>